Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki, and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, welcome, welcome. So today I thought I'd do a different sort of episode, not any particular advice, but more like some weird shit that goes through my head. So <laughs> so I wanted to like bounce around a little because I have some, I have a rant that's pretty big and it's great because my rant has to do with the baby boomer generation and I know my mom will never listen to this podcast. So, <laughs> so I get to do a little rant here. The other thing is I, I want to throw in some, here's what I do. So I started this on my blog a while ago, which is like, you know, I'm a parent as well as an expert. And I do things, you know, as a parent, I'm not, um, I'm not always in expert mode and I do things that I don't know are necessarily right. I don't check in with any other experts. And I am asked often, like, what do you do about this? Or what do you do about that? And so I, I want to share some of those. Here's what I do. And again, it's not like my professional advice. It's more like my mom advice. And this is what I do. And this is what worked for me. So so we're going to have kind of like a little random fun episode today. So let me bitch about the baby boomers first, because I saw a meme on Facebook that just made me die laughing. And so I'm going to read it to you like straight off my phone. Uh, this guy, Zach Wallen said, uh, I love baby boomers who say kids don't even know how to write cursive today in a negative way. Like, okay, grandma, you can't even turn on your laptop without getting six viruses and wiring half your retirement money to Nigerian prince. And <laughs> it still cracks me up. I just died laughing because, you know, the baby boomers are they come down so hard on our freaking parenting, you know, and they're like know-it-alls about everything. And by baby boomers, you know, these ages, millennials and Gen X and Gen, I think I'm Gen, I think I'm the original Gen X. So baby boomers are my mom. My mom's about 72. And so I, we're talking about a generation before me and I'm 50. So, you know, some of you may be too young, but the baby boomer bullshit is affecting all of us. And I want to share some of my rants about this because I think it, it, it's funny, but on the same hand, it really does affect us. So one of the things that baby boomers do is like tell us just how freaking precious it is. And the other day I posted on Instagram a picture of me and Pascal. It's, it was his first semi formal and he had a suit on and he was going to a dance and it was, oh my God, my heart was, my heart was walking outside my body all clean and shiny and it was crazy. And, you know, I, I posted, it goes fast. Your kid's childhood goes fast. You turn around and your kid's 13 and going on their first semi-formal. Then without even thinking, I launched into this like, you know, it goes fast, but don't think it's all precious. So the baby boomers come down on us like, oh, it's so precious. Oh, cherish every moment, right? You're in line at the market and, and a baby boomer is going to tell you like how freaking precious childhood is. And we know, we're like, no, man, I just caught puke in my bare hands last night after being up all night with a sick kid. It's not precious. And we know that. But I swear to God, this like, it's so precious has infiltrated our parenting, right? And we think we have to document everything. And we get really locked into this idea of like, it's so precious. I can't miss a single moment. And you guys, I think we could all do with some benign neglect. And the thing that pisses me off is the baby boomers were the original benign neglect, right? 
and they have blindsided us into into this idea of perfection, right? Now, you know what baby boomers did for the most part? Like conscious parenting wasn't really on the scene. I grew up in the 70s. And of course, there were some conscious parents, you know, leading this this movement sort of. And But most of the parents locked us out of the house so they could clean the house and watch their soap operas. Smoking, they still smoked in the house and in the car. We didn't have freaking seat belts. We were jamming you know, back in the back and front seat of our old station wagon, right? Like my mom, I love her to death, but it was like benign neglect, right? We were thrown out. Don't come back till the street lights come on. All you got to do is watch Stranger Things. That was like, that was how I grew up. If you've seen Stranger Things, right? I mean, like I wasn't fighting off like an aliens in an alternate universe in the in the upside down, but I was having fun. I, I got into a fair amount of trouble and I got out of a fair amount of trouble on my own. Like I'm not complaining about my childhood, but like the baby boomers got old and became grandparents. And then they were all like, oh, it's so precious. Like, no, Karen, it, it, it went so fast because you like weren't paying attention. <laughs> So you don't have to give in to that like it's so precious, right? The other way that boomers are totally fucking us up is this like mixed message. And my mom is so guilty of this. Like, oh, my God, you guys are helicopter parents and you, you know, you worry about everything and and you're babying him. Now, y'all, I live in the city and there's like a bodega, mini mart, whatever you want to call it on the corner. It's literally five houses away. So when Pascal was like seven or eight, I was like, dude, you got to learn how to go to the bodega and get, you know, a gallon of milk or whatever if I need something while I'm cooking. And he was a little nervous about it at first. And I was like, here's five dollars. You can buy whatever you want. He got very hip too. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go get whatever I want for $5. My mom freaks out like, oh my God, he's going to get kidnapped. He's, you know, and I'm like, ma, that same bodega, I used to go down and buy cigarettes for you. Like, seriously, my mom would give me 50 cents. That's how much cigarettes were back in the day. Benson and Edges, menthol lights. And I went down when I was eight years old and bought cigarettes. And now she's freaking out because my eight-year-old is going same distance, not buying cigarettes. <laughs> so she drives me crazy with that. I know one night she was like, Pascal, what would you do if an ice cream truck man asked you inside the truck to taste the ice cream. And of course, Pascal was like, hell yeah, I would go in the ice cream truck. And my mom's like, you can't, they're going to kidnap you. And she launches into this huge thing. Mind you, there's never been a documented kidnapping case of the ice cream man, right? So this mixed message of like, you're babying your kid and at the same time, oh my God, don't let them out of your sight, right? I don't know about you. Like I live in the city, so I don't actually struggle with this, but I keep up on the news and Parents are getting arrested for letting their like 11 and 12 year olds walk to school, like walk a quarter of a mile or even a mile. And that is like ridiculous. You know who's calling the freaking cops? The baby boomers. I read all these articles online and I, I follow these cases, right? I follow Let Grow uh, by Lenore Skenazy. She's an amazing force in uh, free range parenting. And she's, I highly recommend checking out her website. It's Let Grow and Free Range free-range parenting, I think. And uh, she was the mom who uh, years ago let her nine-year-old ride the subway in Manhattan. She lives in Manhattan. And her and her husband had like picked destinations where they were. They were waiting for the kid. The kid had $20 in a cell phone. And he took the subway because that's how you travel in Manhattan. 
And she blogged about it. She was very unknown. She blogged about it. And within a week, she was on Good Morning America as the worst mom in America. And so she has made it her life's mission to keep up on stories of kidnapping and human trafficking and all these things that we're really scared of and and present them as facts because so much of this is exaggerated. And she has some really great suggestions on how to keep your child's childhood pretty free range. So anyway, I, I digress there for a minute because I uh, I think she's really worth following. And I forgot why I brought her up. But anyway, we want our kids, you know, we want our kids to be a little more free range than they are. And we're getting this like super mixed message that we can't let them go. Oh, yeah, it's the baby boomers who are calling the cops. So like my kid, I want him to be able to just free range, especially in our neighborhood. I want him to know who's safe, who's not. You know, I don't want him like so scared that he's going to stay in the house all day. Right. And again, I live in a city, so we just don't seem to have that problem. It seems to be more in the suburbs, but it pisses me off because it is. It's the baby boomers who are calling the cops. So I know, God, Pascal is about two or three. And my mom said to me one day, she said, you know, you guys make it look really hard, this parenting. You guys just, and it was really negative, you guys. It was like, it wasn't a discussion. It was like, you guys make this look really hard and we we didn't do this. And and I thought about it. And I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. We do make it look really hard. And I, I couldn't figure out why. So I sat for a week and I was like, why do we make it look so hard? And I'm thinking back on my childhood. And again, locked out of the house. I'm not even kidding you guys. Like my dad came home at like 5.30. Dinner was on the table. My mom had to have the house clean. Like that wasn't that long ago, that sort of archaic. It wasn't just the 1950s. It was like the 60s and 70s too, right? And so she would lock us out of the house to play in the backyard. I know she'd send us with like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches down to the playground with wax paper so that the slide would get even slicker with the wax paper. <laughs> now we're also worried about getting hurt. This was a reality. I remember, like I said, we would go to the beach. If we were going to the beach, my mom packed a cooler of like watered down red dye 40 cherry Kool-Aid, bologna sandwiches on white bread. We were in the car. There were no car seats, no seatbelts. We were just flinging ourselves all around, right? She didn't have to worry about sunblock. We didn't use SPF anything, right? We had a couple of towels. There were no floaties. Either you swam or you didn't swim. If you didn't swim, go in, don't go in the water. <laughs> there were no swim lessons. We didn't learn swim lessons. You learned how to swim from your friends. Again, bologna, bologna on wonder white bread because we didn't know the dangers of white bread. We didn't know all this shit. So parenting was easy. Now, I, I think of going to the beach when Pascal was three. Holy shit, it takes two days to pack, right? Because you got to chop your organic vegetables. You got you to make sure everything's in line. Just getting the kid in the car, you got three bags. It's kind of crazy. Um, so yeah, parenting has gotten harder because we know more. Like when my mom bought our cribs, there was one or two cribs at Sears. You bought one crib. It wasn't like you had to look up recalls and safety. Shit, uh, researching a car seat alone is going to suck you dry, right? So they didn't have this shit when, when my mom was parenting. And so I've really like come down on her about like, you got to ease up. We know more now. So it's like our responsibility to do better. But Anyway, those are my like, those are my rants on the baby boomer because I really do think it's messing with our parenting. So you have to kind of not listen to the older generation. Take what they did that was good. Like again, I think the benign neglect, I think we could use a whole lot more of that in our parenting. I think we're all just 
we're like too wound up about parenting, but it's because the baby boomers are making us wound up, right? It's like this catch 22. So, you know, take from the older generation what worked, but then ditch what didn't. So that's my rant for, for today. I want to share my, here's what I do. I wanted to talk about picky eating because picky eating comes up a lot in my potty training work and, of course, in my parenting work. I'm not a, a picky eating expert, so this isn't really how to deal with actual super picky eating. I will say this. In my work, I've seen all kinds of eating issues. Eating clinics, feeding clinics are at an all-time high, so the major hospitals have these feeding clinics for kids who are really struggling with food. Now, there are sensory issues if your kid has any sort of sensory issue, disorder, anything. And it doesn't even have to be a disorder. It could just be an issue. They can really gag on food. It can become this crazy, crazy thing with the eating. I've seen, oh gosh, probably one in five of my potty training clients is actually going to a feeding clinic at a major hospital. It's kind of scary because like, what happened? Why did kids get so crazy about food? But what I want to talk about is just your average run-of-the-mill picky because around two years old, kids do start getting picky. And so what happens, though, is if we give into it, we allow it, right? And, you know, oftentimes somebody will come to me and they'll say, you know, well, he'll only eat brownies, a specific brownie mix. And I'm going, well... You know, if your kid's only eating brownies, I don't know, how did you get to that point? How did you get to the point that you would only let them have sweets, right? So, you know, speaking of the baby boomers, I think we can kind of go back to some old school things to determine if picky eating really is just your average two-year-old picky eating or if it's a, a sensory issue. And again, if your child's gagging, if you feel like it's really a sensory issue, then you know, you don't want to listen to what I'm about to say, for sure. Your child may need help. If your child has gone under five foods, right, so they'll only eat five different foods, that's when it's time to seek help. And there are tons of picky eating experts. Again, I'm not one. I'm just dealing with the run-of-the-mill picky eating that happens at two years old. And I'll tell you a quick story. What happened, it was not with picky eating. It was with water with Pascal. He got to be, he was fine. He like swam when he was an infant, water over his head in the bath. And he was about two years old and he got like, there was a week where he got eh, eh, about water on his head and his face. And I allowed it. Like I I gave into the eh, eh. And then all of a sudden he became terrified of water on his face. Terrified, couldn't go to the beach, couldn't get splashed in his face. And I swear, I swear I created it. I swear I gave into this like, oh, I'm so afraid. And I gave into it and I created a water monster for like three years. He wouldn't, it was, it was awful. He wouldn't go, he wouldn't get splashed. He wouldn't go into water. Baths were terrible. So I learned my lesson, like around two or three, your child will start showing all these kind of strange things. And a lot of times they're just, they're just playing. Like they're just saying like, oh, let me pretend I'm scared. Let me be scared. Let me see what happens if I tell mom and dad I'm scared, right? And then we give into it and we actually feed the fear. And I think that can happen with food, right? Remember that a child sometimes needs a food 15 times, presented with a food 15 times before they'll like it. They'll also enjoy a food one day, hate it the next day. It doesn't mean when they say they hate it, don't stop offering it. You have to keep offering it over and over and over again. 
And so that's really important to know because a lot of times, oh no, I gave her broccoli once and she hated it. She spit it out. Yeah, you might need to introduce it 15 times. So that's wise to remember. But here's the deal. I was working with this client who had, oh my God, the child had miserable time pooping. And yes, there are pooping dramas in potty training, of course. But what happens when you have a kid who won't eat? Of course, pooping's awful. If they're only taking in brownies, their poop is going to be nasty, right? And it's not going to come. If they don't, they're not getting any fiber. They're not getting any fat or protein. So yeah, so we always look to diet first with the pooping. And so this mom, you know, over time, I, I hadn't realized that she said it was a picky eater. And it turns out this kid was eating one kind of chicken nugget. That's it. One kind of chicken nugget. It had to be this particular brand and he would only eat like five a day. So he had five chicken nuggets a day. And I was like, well, of course he's not pooping. Who would poop after five chicken nuggets, right? He's barely getting the nutrients his body needs. So, you know, we were working on all these things. She was going, she had gone to like major feeding clinics at all the major hospitals. The poor thing, the, it was her life. And then what happened is they stopped making these chicken fingers or maybe they were, um, they were recalled. There was something where she abruptly could not buy the chicken nuggets. And the kid was like, Oh, okay. And he started eating just like whatever she gave him. She was like, sorry, buddy. They don't make it anymore. I can't. There's nothing I can do. So it, it stuck in my head because this poor mom had struggled for so long thinking it was a feeding thing. And really, it was like the kid just needed to be told like, no, nah, they don't have it anymore. And then he was eating just fine. So again, I don't want to at all minimize. If you're struggling with eating, I don't want to minimize it. I'm sure that there are, I know that there are real, real, real picky eating. But again, this is just about the average like when your kid just starts being a pain in the butt about it. So that's, so here's what I did. So Pascal went through this phase. And again, I don't know if this is right or wrong. I'm not an expert on picky eating, but I just wanted to share what I did. Yeah. I always had a backup. I always had a backup meal and the backup meal was grilled chicken. He liked peas and carrots and he liked broccoli and he liked potatoes. So those were always cooked and in my fridge so that if he was trying something adventuresome at dinner and he didn't care for it, that was the backup meal. I'm not about like cooking two meals. So I don't think you should cook two meals, but you should have a backup meal because I know what happens in reality. And of course, what happens in reality, you guys, isn't what all the experts say, right? It's like, oh, just make your child eat it or, oh, just cook vegetables, grow your vegetables and cook it with your child and your child will love it. Like, yes, Karen, we know the we know the advice. (laughs) And I work with enough parents to know that that's not always realistic, right? And it isn't realistic if your kid's not eating what's on the table and it feels like they really don't like it or they're gagging, you want a backup meal because you don't want to give them a sugary yogurt, you guys. If you go and give them blueberry yogurt, that's dessert. Blueberry yogurt has a shit ton of sugar in it. And so if you're going to give them that, your kid's palate is going to go towards sugar, right? So that's how you start backing yourself in a corner. And you say, oh, I'll just give them Cheerios. Oh, I'll just give them some goldfish crackers. I'll just give them some pretzels. You get scared. You want your kid to eat, right? So I always say, have a backup meal. Like it's not, it's not hard for me to make a couple of days worth of grilled chicken and these vegetables that he likes. And so that could be his, his backup meal if he didn't like what I was offering. I really do. I'm going to go off on a little tangent here with yogurt. Be cautious. I went on a tear when he was little looking at all the sugar contents in yogurt. The minute you add flavor, 
Yeah. And it can't even be vanilla. It doesn't have to be just the sugary fruit. The minute you add flavor, the sugar content in yogurt goes way up. Believe it or not, I did. I went through every single brand. And back then, I know however many years ago, tricks like trick cereal with a bunny was the least amount of sugar, which I, I thought was shocking because, you know, it's so gross. It's such a gross brand. <laughs> so, um, so be cautious. If you're, if you're leaning on flavored yogurt as a backup meal, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna run into some trouble. Let's see. I already said that you have to offer it 15 times. Yeah. What I would do is I was pretty strict. I didn't believe, I don't believe in making a kid sit at the table till they're done. I don't, I'm not an empty, uh, clean plate club person. Pascal has always eaten till he, he can't eat past full. He doesn't overeat at all. I don't advise anybody to make their child sit. Like we, we had to do that, right? Sit till you finish what's on your plate. However, if I knew it was a meal that he would eat, like say the grilled chicken and the vegetables, right? I would wrap it up and that would be your next meal. So yes, you are going to finish the food. Yeah. And it could be for breakfast and I would heat it up. And he pretty much learned, like, I got to eat what's on my plate. And I don't, it's so tricky to talk about this, right? Because you can, you can sound judgy. You got to be like, oh, you just need to be stricter. But make sure you're not giving your kid a mound of food. Like a toddler needs very, like way less food than us. So part of the problem is parents are like heaping the plate and it is too much food. But you know what a reasonable amount is and what your kid will eat. And again, I'm talking about that like picky phase they go through, right? So he would have that grilled chicken the next day, heat it up. And pretty soon he was like, you know what? I'll just finish what's on my plate. And again, with a reasonable amount, I gave him, it wasn't, it wasn't a whole lot, right? So that's, that's what I did. And again, I don't know if it's wrong. I don't know if it's right. I did. We got through the picky phase. No problem. And, and I think it was because I was like, dude, you're going to eat. You're going to eat that chicken. It's like seven bites. And if you can't eat it now, you eat it tomorrow. So let's say they sit down for dinner, then they're hungry. Same thing. You give the plate over again, just heat it up. The grilled chicken. Here you go. You hungry right before bed? You got to eat this. If you don't want to eat the chicken, you're not really hungry. And that's just a fact, you guys. If my neurotypical non-sensory kid doesn't want to eat chicken, but wants to eat dessert, he not hungry. That's the, that's the reality. Another huge thing, and this happens all the time. I know parents are working on this constantly. Stop snacking. We don't need, I don't know when we became the snacking culture. I think I mentioned this in another episode. You don't have to be feeding your kid constantly, okay? And I know we live in mortal fear of the hangry toddler because it gets yucky. But even in my own life and in Pascal's, if we're snacking all the time, the body gets adjusted to that, especially if it's carbohydrates, right? Or sugar. The body is like, yeah, let's have more. The, The carbohydrates burn out quickly. So then the body thinks it wants more. So if you're snacking all day long, your body keeps thinking that it needs more food. That's where you start getting these low blood sugars and that's when you start crashing and burning and you get and you get that hangry, right? You definitely want to keep something in the car should you get caught in an emergency. But if we can have kids stop walking around with those snack cups, you will find that mealtimes go 100% better. And I, I've seen this time and time and time again. Parents get strict about the snacking and the kids' picky eating just changes miraculously. So, you know, you got to keep that in mind that if the kid is snacking all day, why would they, you know, eat chicken? Especially, we know kids love carbohydrates. We know. 
mac and cheese, sandwiches, bread, crackers, goldfish, cereal. They love the carbohydrates. And I think they do need, they need more carbohydrates probably than adults because they're like freaking burning so much energy cruising through the world at, at warp speed. So, um, but it doesn't have to be these snacky foods, right? And so I know it's so funny. My mom was struggling with, she wanted some help with her diet and I, she loves snack food. And I was like, my, you got to stop snacking. And she was like, I need a little something. And I was like, well, have a little something, but like, it could be a hard boiled egg. It could be a cheese stick. It could be, you know, meatballs. You can make some veggie meatballs and just kind of grab one of those. And she was like, oh no, I don't want a meal. I just want a snack. I was like, no, you just want shit food. So be cautious. Like if your child's really hungry, have real food available, but not the the crappy crackers, right? Because your child is going to fill up on those and then it's going to make the picky eating harder. Another thing that I learned in social work that was so great with kids is we overwhelmed. So I worked with a population that had um, food scarcity issues because they were so poor. So when presented with food, you know, we would have these like family style dinners in residential facilities and the moms had food scarcity issues. So they would pull, oh my God, these kids' plates were huge, right? If you put too much food on a plate, your kid is going to rebel. It seems like Mount Everest, they're not going to want to eat it. So we got ice cube trays, get an ice cube tray and you can put one, a little something of everything in the ice cube tray. So like one little pea, one little piece of carrot, one little piece of meat, just tiny bits. Uh, my advice is not to, not to mix. You can have a sweet and a savory ice cube tray. So if you put like fruit with broccoli, uh, you're going to get a bad response with broccoli, <laughs> right? So do like a savory vegetable one and then do a fruit one. So that's another idea to keep you in check, right? Because oftentimes we just put too much food on the plate. We expect the child to eat it. And you do want to respect, you want to respect your child's full markers as opposed to their like, eh, I want dessert marker or eh, I want to get down. So I always tell my clients, I'm not opposed to the child. I don't think a toddler needs to sit at a table for the whole time. I just don't. I think they're antsy. And, and you may think differently. We might have different opinions on this and that's totally fine. But I don't think if the toddler wants to get down, that's fine. If they need to eat later, though, then they, again, they get the meal that, that was on the table, not, not dessert if they didn't finish their meal. So it's a kind of old school approach. It's kind of like a, a, a medium between not making the kids sit at the table for hours, right? <laughs> struggling to get down those peas. But it's it's definitely not like giving in to the child. So I kind of have that approach. And I'm going to say it one last time, just so you know, this is what I did. You don't have to do it. I'm not an expert. And if you do have a super picky eater and you know it's an issue, please don't take offense at this episode, please. I know there's a range, a huge spectrum of picky eaters, and I don't want to denigrate anybody's experience at all. I know this can be heartbreaking if you do have a kid who really struggles with eating. But you might want to give it some, you know, if your kid is going through that phase, give it the old school try and see what happens. One of the things is we just have to not fear that our kids will go hungry. For most kids, they will eat when they're hungry. There are kids who won't, and you know it if you have it. But for most of us, we just get so fearful. If your kid misses a meal, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. But again, if you have a kid who's like failure to thrive and they really won't eat, I run into about two of those working with thousands and thousands of parents who really do have food issues. So just to let you know, I think it's pretty rare. I think I would have run into more if it wasn't rare, This the kid who will starve themselves. 
All right. I'm going to sign off for today. You can always go to jamieglowacki.com for the super cool latest updates, including the launch of my new book, yummy new book pre-sale treats, when we release new episodes, and how to work with me directly. And of course, if you need any potty training help, there's a handy link there that will take you to all my potty training resources, including all my courses. That's the Oh Crap Potty Training online course, my pooping solutions course, and my night training supplement. And if you need additional help, how to book with a certified Oh Crap consultant. That's all at jamieglowacki.com. Have a beautiful day and rock on.